Lady of the Beasts. That is the name of today's We Transmission, Lady of the Beasts. And for today's little transmission, we're going to be talking about animals and certain animals in different cultures and how that is a personification or an embodiment of the goddess energy. Very interesting stuff as we delve deeper into the stuff that really matters, the truth, all the things that are the antidote to the zao sludge miasma that we are living in, that we've lived in for, well, quite some time. It's a great day here where I am too. Nice, crisp weather, but also a little on the warm side too and very sunny. If you haven't gotten outside today yet, make a point of doing such. Always good to get a little bit of outside into your day every day and to spend less time online. Um, outside is older anyway, right, than going online. Online is kind of a new advent, an advent that kind of, you know, takes up a lot of people's time, but it could be a good idea to get out more and maybe if you put more of a crimp or more of a schedule on when you'll be using online, you'll be spending more time outside. And remember that discipline is freedom. It's not the other way around. When you discipline yourself, you're able to have uh, the freedom of health and wellness. And of course, in this society, we're told that the freedom to eat bonbons and watch Talmud vision and, you know, but masturbate to porn and all of this type of stuff, those are, quote, freedoms. No, those are tools to keep slaves in line. So now let's talk about the main topic, Lady of the Beasts, a bit right here. In all her myriad forms, the goddess has been shown an association with various animals. These animals are a showing forth of the power of the goddess, a manifestation of her design. In addition, animals are vibrant, living symbols, totems that can give us access to our instinctual and institutional skills, or intuitional, excuse me, instinctual and intuitional skills. And as I'm reading this and thinking about it, I'm thinking about how we have this, this death culture in the world and how veganism is a huge part of that death culture. Even though it's made to look like it's the antithesis or the antidote to the death culture, it's actually part of it. So is the CAFO or the concentrated animal feeding operations, you know, the battery farms, the factory farms, the torture mills, and all of this essentially is a form of misogyny. Think about it. Think about it, uh, putting an animal up to one of these machines, milking them dry, putting them in some type of cage, but also eschewing the gifts that animals have is also a form of misogyny. That's what we see via the veganism, right? We see all these ideas of, you know, mocking milk, tranny milk, as I've, you know, coined the phrase many years ago. And that in itself is, I think, a form of misogyny. And then we have all these zyosludge words. I was thinking about this yesterday. The most gaslit term I think we currently have in society is trans misogyny. This is this Zio sludge when uh, a transsexual, obviously, a man in woman's clothing impersonating a woman, because of course that's the basis of transsexualism. The young white girls and women these days who have been suckered and zombified into the, uh, the agenda are really just being used. It's based on uh, the fetish, of course, of autogynophilia. But uh, that word, transmisogyny, how more gaslit, how more against the goddess against the, you know, everything can you get than that, than that ridiculous phrase which points it back at women basically saying, oh, you're, you're the misogynist because you're against that man in the lipstick and the costume. A bit of a side 
uh, note right there, but it all relates together. I'm, I'm tying it all together. It's a patchwork quilt of Talmudic miasma, and we're tying it all together so we can be aware of it, so we can foist it off of ourselves and live a, a glorious, healthy life. So here is a bit about some animals that have been um, the manifestation of her design. The first is a bird. The bird shows the goddess as creatrix, laying the world egg, laying the world egg, it's called, linking the earth, the sky, and the waters in the mysteries of flight. The serpent suggests, by its spiraling shape, passage into, into and out of the visible world. Snakes shed their skin, so suggesting rebirth. So a little bit there about birds, the bird laying the egg. Of course, that's a pretty obvious sign right there. Birds lay eggs, that's what they do, right? Whether they're fertile eggs, whether they're not fertile eggs, that's just what birds do. And the serpent, of course, is an ancient, ancient symbol. It's been around for gosh knows how long, and it's, it's been misinterpreted so often. I mean, wow, I mean, just it makes you think of that, that snake venom thing that they were hoaxing people out with recently. Now there's supposedly some other variant brewing in the East. They're calling it XBB. Someone said yesterday in the wet wellness chat it sounded like a cryptocurrency. It sure does. So the snakes will shed their skin. And of course that's suggesting of, you know, rebirth, maybe the Satan Nama type of cycle. And also the female sexual rhythms, something else that's been so suppressed in this culture. The whole birth control pill is a I guess a metaphor for for that essentially and they dupe gals and women into that all the time um, basically that's just one tool in this whole Talmudic structure this Talmudiarchy structure that we have that takes us out of the natural rhythms right because when we think about the old calendars of yore before we were using this Talmudic calendar that we use nowadays the original calendar or clock was a woman's body. But we'll talk more about that in other shows as time goes on. Birds and snakes appeared in association with the goddess from the Stone Age, so going back quite some time. Another would be the lion. The lion shows the sheer power of the great mother. Imperius, a fierce protector and mother, the Egyptian goddess Sekhmet and Bast, who has the head of a cat and represents gentler manifestations are brought to mind. The dog. Dogs, intelligent, energetic, and almost magical sense of smell, were honored in relation to the goddess from the Neolithic era. Dogs wail at the moon, and the goddess Hecate is linked with them. The butterfly. The butterfly is a symbol of transformation and rebirth. The shape of the butterfly is reminiscent of a double-headed creatine axe, the labrus. And this has been a sign that's been associated with uh, Sapphism back in the day, the labrus, the creatine axe. Cutting two ways, the labrus suggests both death and renewal, again the cycle, also resembles the labia of the female genital area. The spider. Many goddesses are shown as spinning and weaving the threads of life and destiny, arachne, Athene, Irene Hod, and Aridne being but a few. The web of the spider is a metaphor for the cosmic web. And interesting how they call the internet the World Wide Web. I've always thought about that, how interesting that is and how it relates to all of this that we're dealing with today. Because it is a web of some sort, the internet, but it's not, well, I guess it can be a web of, of awakening or it can really be a web of, of just snaring people and 
locking them into a unsavory frequency. The fish coming from the waters signifies feminine wisdom. Many goddesses come from the sea, for example, Aphrodite and the Syrian Atergatis. And next up is the pig. The pig is often linked with the underworld. And this is an animal that kind of gets a, a bad rap, I would say, in society nowadays. The pig's association with agriculture may be due to its habit of rooting in the soil with its snout. Well, that makes sense. A fertile animal that sometimes consumes its pharaoh, the pig is associated with the goddess Seredwin, who exemplifies death and rebirth. I believe this is a Welsh goddess. Seredwin is pictured stirring a cauldron with a magic brew of wisdom, intended for her ugly son, Afagdu. She leaves this in the care of little Gwion, but some drops spill onto his finger, so he receives the gifts of inspiration. Seredwen chases Guayan, and they both change form from many, many times until she eats him as a grain of wheat, whilst she is in the form of a hen. Nine months later, she gives birth to the legendary bard uh, Talisin. So Seredwen is a fearsome but potent muse. She is especially recalled at Samhain, and her sow symbol is used to represent her. And I know from things I've read in the past that Samhain is associated with wheat and pigs and sometimes people will actually make little, little like wheat loaves or cakes that are shaped like pigs. Pretty cool. Up next is the horse. The horse may exemplify raw earth power. White horses are etched on many English hillsides and the goddess Rhiannon, white mare of the sea, is pictured riding a white horse. It is said that she leads the people of the hollow hills on moonlit nights, uh, sharing or snaring careless mortals with enchantment. And finally, the bull, one of my favorite symbols, of course, represented in the Western zodiac as Taurus, my, my zodiac sign. The bull often represents the sun lover of the goddess, and the bull's head looks like a cross section of the womb and ovaries. Cows and bulls are associated with fertility. Indian myth tells of the birth of the universe through the churning of the milk of the goddess, the celestial cow Sorabahi. In India, cows are sacred to this day. And yes, we can see that that old belief still remains to today. So here are just a small little list of some of these animals or these goddess animals and their significance. I think it's important to comprehend this, especially like I was saying in the beginning of this clip, we have all these agendas nowadays to remove us away from the natural world, veganism just being one of them, right? I mean, there's, there's a snare for everybody out there, or snares for everybody out there. So think about this. Think about this, especially maybe next time, maybe you're eating one of these animals. Think about next time maybe you're observing one of these animals or if one of these animals is your pet. Think about how this relationship is with the goddess. And the more we get into this information, the more just the sludge is just going to fall away. That's what happens. I think what's also better is to focus on adding in positive information like this, you know, adding in good food, adding in fitness, adding in movement, massage, lovemaking. Focus on the positive as opposed to what you aren't supposed to eat, what you aren't supposed to look at, what you aren't supposed to do. We live in this very reductionist system where it's no, 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 no. 
And that leads to believing in all the Talmudic snares, right? Even if people are supposedly racially aware, so many of them are so stuck in so many of the Talmudic snares, and so many at the end of the day don't really want the system to change. They don't. They just want to um, yak and complain and not put in any real work because they would be scared shitless if the system really did change. But it's changing and there's nothing they can do about it. It's happening and, and that's all there is to it. We can embrace it and be part of the new consciousness of the Satya Yuga, of the Golden Age, or we can remain in this state of Talmudic dendritis. The choice is ours. So that's the end of this wee transmission, Lady of the Beasts. I'm going to continue my walk now. I hope everyone's having a groovy Thursday, wherever they are in this big white world. Until we meet again, Satnam.